0: Hello, my name is Larry Lannon, the writer behind the local Fishers' Indiana news blog, LarryInFishers.com. I started the blog in January of 2012, and it is still going. Four years after that, in 2016, I started the LarryInFishers.com podcast series, featuring guests of local interest. That podcast is still going strong. Now, if you like the podcast and are listening on a platform such as iTunes, I'll just take a moment, rate, and comment on my podcast series. It's time now for the latest LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers. I'm in the night space with the AV room where there's video, audio production, equipment, all sorts of artsy sorts of things to do. Uh, there are 3D printers. You name it, they have it here. It's in the basement or lower level of the library. If you visit the library here in Fishers, uh, take some time. Ask one of the librarians for a tour. They'll be glad to give you one. It's great to have back once again. We do this at least once a year. I have Jason Taylor, Director of Engineering for the City of Fishers, and Hatem Mekki, the Assistant Director of Engineering for the City. Gentlemen, welcome back. Always good to see you. Good seeing you, Larry. Thank, Thank you. Good Thank you. to see you. Well, it's a, we often talk this time of year when we get into spring. We're not quite a spring. We're March 22nd. It sort of feels like spring, but not quite yet. Uh, warmer weather is coming, and of course, that means road construction in and around the city of Fishers, now, one uh, issue we've talked about year after year, State Road 37, that's – if you look at State Road 37 as a whole, real accomplishment for the city, the way that has, has more – has come across it us now, we're seeing it in fruition now. But there is one last uh, – Part of that link of that project left to complete, and that's the interchange at 141st Street. I just live a few blocks from there, so I hear about this a lot. And I think one thing that happens a lot is there are rumors that get circulated about what's really happening there. Now, Hatem, I know you've been very involved in State Road 37, that whole project, and you should feel very proud about how it's uh, come across. But we have that one little link that's, that's yet to be done. Kind of explain what's going – first, how we got to where we are on 141st Street and where we're, where we're going from here.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. It is. Uh, uh, it is I am very proud to be um, part of that big project. It's a monumental project for us here in the city. Um, as everyone knows, we uh, we finally completed four intersections in that in that corridor: one twenty-six, one thirty-first, one thirty-fifth, and one forty-six. Uh, people are also aware that one forty-first is still out there. Uh, the plans are still there to build one forty-first Street uh, as an interchange. Uh, just to answer the part of how we got there, uh, we uh, obviously uh, how we got to where we are right now. We obviously. Uh, we're working on 131st and 135th and 146th all at the same time. Um, it was it was kind of a it was it was a big undertaking for us to have three projects all at the same time. But uh, I think it was uh, the traffic was kind of um, it, it worked to where we kind of mitigated the free flow with a little bit of uh, signals on 146th Street while it was uh, while it was under construction and 131st. And then when it was all said and done, it was all free flow, so it was great. Uh, we had 141st that was slated to go right after they were done. Uh, unfortunately, we uh, it was unawardable. There's some regulations on how many contractors that need to bid and how much over or under the project comes in to, for us for us to award it. But uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. So. Uh, the construction on 141st was uh, was delayed a little bit, so we went back to the drawing board. As we mentioned before, we looked at opportunities where we can uh, make it easier for the contractor to build the project and make it more economical. Um, and we're uh, back back here this year, and we're hoping that we can get that bid and awarded in August of this of this year. So, um, as as you can see, the the lights have been. The signals have been taken out. Uh, Obviously, that was a big uh, relief on the traffic congestion there. Uh, It was free flow all the way of north and south all the way to 141st. And uh, I felt it was, we felt in the city and also in uh, communication with NDOT and the county and city of Noblesville that it was uh, for the best interest of safety for all the traffic to take that signal out. As you can see, there's still construction in that uh, intersection. Uh, utilities are currently and actively relocating, so we do uh, we have um, things moving on that intersection. Uh, so hopefully in August, we can get uh, a favorable bid and award it and start construction here soon later this year.
0: So just to dig down a little deeper on this, give a real good explanation of it, but wasn't one major factor in getting a competitive bid the fact that Number one, the contractors were busy, and number two, the materials and, 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 uh, and the labor costs were rising astronomically at that time. Was that, were those also components of why those bids did not come in where you were expecting? Uh,
1: obviously, the, the construction industry has seen major uh, delay in materials. The, uh, the human resource aspect of it was also crucial. Uh, the contractors were busy, but also the material costs went up everything went up so it was uh one of those things that we were just at the tail end of where everything was normal and then it started uh it started rising up uh a lot uh there was a lot of construction around uh where contractors were really busy but uh i think we're we're looking forward to what we're going to get in august
0: so you feel market conditions have improved and you've also looked at the actual cost uh, of the project itself explain what you were doing there
1: We looked at certain constructability aspects of it. Uh, We looked at improving uh, some maintenance of traffic uh, parts of the project, making it easier for the contractor to build. Uh, We looked at uh, maybe looking at different um, design aspects that we can change here and there to make it uh, economical in that sense, Um, and then... Obviously now we don't, we don't know where the market is. We obviously right now it's, it's an up and down situation, but we, we feel like it's, it's getting better. We looked at a couple of bids that we had, uh, in our resurfacing packages. Uh, they were, um, they were very favorable for us. And, um, the aspect of figuring out the utilities before the contractor is on site makes it a lot, uh, a lot more favorable for contractors to, to come in and, and make it easier for them to not have to be uh, delayed because of the utilities.
0: As someone who lives in the area, I can see just uh, today they're still working on some of those utilities right around there, so I can see the work being done, and, and the traffic is adjusting, you know, slowing down and so forth. So one last question on this, and we'll move on. Uh, if, in fact, you are able to find a, a, a bid that you can award in August, would you anticipate the work beginning in 2024?
1: We anticipate uh, uh, some of the work happening this year. Okay. Um, once we get the notes to proceed to the contractor, they usually um, start mobbing within a month, a month and a half in. Uh, there's a lot of uh, temporary pavement that that could go down. There's a couple of work that they can start doing this year, but the bulk and the majority of the work will be in uh, next year.
0: Okay, very good. Thanks. That was yeah. a good explanation. Anything you want to add to any of that, Jason? No. Okay. Now let's move on to another issue. and. and This has been an issue that has been discussed ever since uh, Fishers was a town. I've been covering Fishers. When I started covering Fishers 11 years ago, we were still a town. And there was discussion and lawyers involved and engineers involved in how to deal with private roads, (sighs) roads that are – not part of the city inventory, but people use, particularly in commercial areas. There's some residential areas, but particularly in commercial areas where it's difficult to figure out, and this is where the lawyers got in, who is in fact responsible to maintain that road or resurface it if it needs it and that kind of thing. So this has been a years-long discussion, and there is now a solution that is is now beginning to coalesce, and that is something – uh, called the Barrett Law. So Jason, uh, I would like you to just talk about, first of all, this this first case of Barrett Law that you're going to use on the north end of State Road 37. There are two areas, one east, one west on the northern end of the city, right there at, at the, the the State Road. Explain what's going on there and, and, and how you're using the Barrett Law.
2: Yeah, you're 100% correct. It's uh, been years in the making. I've been with the city for over six years, and we've been talking about commercial private roadways and the maintenance of those and how the city doesn't own it. But the perception that it is a city roadway and the businesses are, are asking what can the city do? But because it's not in our inventory, we aren't able to do anything. There's that's that liability is private property per se. Um, So we've, the city has taken some steps inside the last 12 months to be able to move forward with converting some of these roadways from private to public Um, That first step was um, the engineering department put together a a checklist, a criteria list of what roadways would meet the private to public conversion so we could pursue Barrett Law. Uh, That was taken to the Board of Public Works in September of last year uh, and was approved. Once we finished that step, we started to go out and look at which roadways are the highest priority. And the highest priority on the commercial roadways would be the ones that you just mentioned, the ones near State Road 37 on the west and the east side. Um, Just recently on last Tuesday, we took it to the Board of Public Works for a preliminary resolution for Barrett Law. And in non-legal terms, what it is is just that it's it's the formal process for us to be able to convert – the road from private to public and transfer ownership to the city. Um, There's some details in there, such as the financing and who pays for that. But that cost is um, carried by the businesses and property owners, more more or less. Um, So it's not using taxpayer dollars to bring these private roads up to a maintainable standard for the city before converting it over to public um so where we're at is we have put together cost estimates for the construction uh, we have already started to uh, maintain those just out of good faith f you know uh for these businesses and uh it's really they've been supportive of it we've met with i want to say 90 plus percent of the the property owner business owners um on an individual basis in a group setting, virtual phone calls, you name it. Just had one yesterday with a a company out of Ohio. uh, And we did that as a virtual and just helping them understand what is gonna happen in this process. Really, the next steps are going to be there's going to be a public hearing, uh, the next board meeting, which is going to be next Tuesday morning, in which the business owners are able and property owners are able to come speak. And if they aren't able to attend, they can write in to the board members and express their support or displeasure or concerns with this process. But the goal is for these particular um Roadways to be converted to public and begin construction yet this year and be completed with construction this year.
0: Well, if you get ninety percent of business owners to agree to anything, you definitely yeah. you've accomplished something. There's only going to be a few people who will who will be recalcitrant. So uh, what you're saying is those two areas, east and west of 37, on the north end of town, uh, that's moving forward. There will be a public hearing, which is part of the law that uh, is being used here, the spirit Law. Uh, that's the the first. Set. I'm going to talk here in a moment about 116th and Allisonville, and I know there are some areas there mm-hmm. which may need some Barrett Law treatment. What are I know that's also in line. Are there other areas of the city where you're looking to use the Barrett Law?
2: Yeah, really any of the private commercial roadways, uh, we would be open to considering them becoming public. It, we would go back to that that approved list that was in September of last year. And if it's on the list, then it would be something we'd have a conversation. Uh, the, the easy answer is, is if if the business has come to us making the request, it's more likely we're going to pursue that just because it's there's support there. Then the next step is that we're going to look at the areas of uh, maintenance is not being done and it's becoming a safety concern you know emergency vehicles can't access it safely uh, there's you know a lot of damages to vehicles pop tires um, the one that you're referring to is one that the businesses co- have come to us and that's fisher's crossing over mm-hmm. by kroger mm-hmm. 116th and allisonville we want to get through this first process of first round of the barrett law roadways and then we would move into that one so i say the get through it ideally we would get through it by the end of this year, but we feel pretty comfortable up to this point on the process and what we can, can't, and shouldn't do. Um, and so now we'll pro- we'll very likely begin the Fisher's Crossing process inside the next few months.
0: And just one last thing on the Barrett Law, and I think the thing that people need to keep in mind is part of the reason that you're going through this process is to get these roads up to a minimum standard, city standard, and then after that happens, the plan is to turn those streets and roads over to the city inventory, correct? Cor- correct. And, and another thing to point out is
2: that a few years ago, this really started to um, get a lot more traction of well, these roadways are failing. And why is the city even accepting private roads? Um, or why are they even allowing them, should I say, during a development? And so we made changes to our standards that we will not allow private roads. And if there is a private road it will always be a private road. There is no accepting it into the city's inventory. Um, so that, that's something that we have made sure to kind of stop the process, stop the bleeding per se,
0: well, yeah, thanks for clarifying that, because I, I think that's an important aspect of this whole thing. So we'll be watching from your public hearing and uh, see how that goes and how that process goes for the areas you're, you're beginning to move on that that Barrett law. I mentioned 116th Street and Allisonville Road. I was at a, a meeting recently held for residents and business owners in that area, and uh, the contractor was there. People from your office were there. And uh, so, one hundred sixteenth Street and and Allisonville Road—it has been a uh, traffic signal for as far back as I can remember. And one of the big issues there is the stacking issue on the left turn lanes in almost every direction when things get very busy, and that can be dangerous where people you know find stop traffic where you don't expect it. So I guess whoever wants to start this discussion, which either one of you. Uh, just talk about 116th and Allisonville Road, what the plans are for there. Who yeah. wants to take that one? go ahead and That'll start be us Jason off. Taylor. Yeah. Uh, you're,
2: you're correct. There is a lot of traffic congestion at that intersection, and it has been a signal. Uh, you know, even whenever it got improved, it, additional lanes were added in, and it still remained a signal. What we, in 2009, did was we were successful in getting federal funding to be able to do improvements. We even submitted for a traffic signal and additional tra- Turn lanes. But then we after we were awarded the funds, we went back to the drawing board and we started rethinking. Do we need seeing some success on roundabouts in other areas, even throughout the city, we, we asked ourselves, should we consider a roundabout? Because with the roundabout, while you may still have accidents, you have less severe accidents. As well as it adds the, you know, this the look, the feel aspect of it you can add some aesthetics to it landscaping kind of maybe not a gateway but it makes brings back a little bit of life to the area Um, so we went and we explored that we did a a kind of a minor traffic study of that intersection and found that a roundabout would be successful so we went ahead and pursued designing that roundabout um, and it's not going to be as big as the 116th in Hazeldale not going to have all those slip lanes but it will be a larger roundabout uh, with the signals that are to the north and to the east still being in place. And, and those are in, going to be intentional. And the reason that we're leaving those in there are for a couple of reasons. One, um, to future metering if needed, not to say that it is going to be, but you, if things start to take off development-wise there, then m- that signal would help meter that traffic in and out during the p.m. times and a.m. Uh, in addition to some pedestrian c- connectivity, adding some uh, crossings that are a little bit, being that it's such a large intersection and a large roundabout, adding pedestrian crossings at certain locations. And based on some of the feedback that we've had from our Allisonville corridor study, which is involved with the entire community in that area, some of the feedback has been how can we improve pedestrian connectivity? How can we improve the pedestrian awareness and safety? So those are things that that's one step to be able to provide some of that connectivity and
0: safety. Yeah, there was a, a lengthy discussion of that uh, Allison will Road corridor study I think it's what 96 pages long something mm. along those lines it's and it's 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 quite a read if you go through the entire thing and and certainly uh, transportation is a very big part of that both uh, vehicular and you know pedestrian you know bicycles other types but uh, City Councilor Jocelyn Vare is an at-large council member, and she does own a business near that intersection. And she brought up what she perceives to be a large number of accidents that happen on the west end of 116th Street near Alsonville or just the way it is set up right now. Uh, would the uh, Two questions, really. Number one is, uh, is the roundabout going to make any difference in that situation? And secondly, is there much of anything you can do about – what she perceives as a large number of accidents on the west end of that of that uh, that interchange if you will
2: yeah so to kind
0: of back up
2: whenever we look at projects to submit for funding there's different pots of money that we can submit for and one of them is safety and that's generated your scoring is based off accidents severity of accidents and number of accidents over the course of three to four years and every year Between, you know, the summer months, we start pulling some of that data, the historical data to see where we need to make improvements and to be able to submit for funding. In addition to are there some smaller things that we as a city can do to improve safety? That area has not been triggered to be a safety concern, not saying accidents don't occur, Um, but also with the roundabout going in, that could improve um, the, kind of the intent is what we're seeing is that a lot of people are – the traffic pattern is that they're coming off of 116th through Carmel and then heading northbound, which is adding kind of the beat the gap theory process. And the apartment complex right there, they're not wanting to go to Allisonville to come up to the signal and then go – they're wanting to go to the direct line of 116th. So if we improve 116th in Allisonville, we improve that flow – it will, will and should pull traffic away from that entrance exit on one sixteenth at the apartment complex. Um, in addition, reducing, we're looking at other ways to reduce the amount of traffic that is coming from Carmel, and putting them in different routes and improving their route. So ninety six in Allisonville, improving their route that left turn. Some people just don't like to make that left turn on ninety six in Allisonville. It, it works. It works smoothly, but. It's just not intuitive. So you have to you know, turn right to go left, and it just confuses people. Um, so they go up to the 116th Allisonville intersection, which imp- increases that traffic. So long answer short, yes, the intent and hope is that this intersection will make improvements. It won't stretch all the way out to that. But it will stretch to the west um, to some of the other drive access points, such as the Kroger entrance.
0: You know, Carmel, whenever there's a discussion about roundabouts – and they still beat us a number of roundabouts, I think – I see a lot of people commenting. And one comment I would hear is, well, you know, there are fewer accidents at roundabouts. That may or may not be true. But but the data I have seen – and I'd like you to comment on this – is that – it indicates to me that you have to slow down to get to an inter- interchange which is a roundabout, or else you're going to crash right away. Therefore, it will at least slow you down so that there is an accident. At least, as you said, there will be fewer injury accidents. Correct. Not necessarily fewer accidents. That can go up, to, kind of depends on, on the actual local. Situation, but uh, it has been shown and this is and, and kind of verified this. I what I have seen is that if you have an accident or a roundabout, there tends to be fewer, if any, injuries. Is that mm-hmm. correct?
2: That is one hundred percent correct. Yeah. And less then. severe,
0: yep. and less severe ones if you yeah. have one because you have to slow down. Yeah,
2: and
1: and to Jason's point, just dovetailing from that, and maybe to the next uh, topic that you may have is. In addition to looking at all these intersections, we look at the regional improvements as well. So in, in addition to uh, our Allisonville Road Study, the 37, there's also county-led projects that improve that area, 146 in Allisonville. That will improve 146th Street traffic flow. So in addition to 96 and 116th Street, there are improvements happening on 146th Street. So traffic and the motorists have the choice between 96, 116th, 146. Even looking uh, at a larger scale with scale with NDOT's project Clearpath, you have people instead of going through Allisonville and Keystone, they will take 69. In addition to that, we'll connect to 37. So the the main thing that we look at is regionally, obviously, and then locally, how the traffic will get impacted with with all these projects. So it's um, we're not necessarily looking at something. Uh, In in closed vacuum, we're looking at a lot of these uh, projects and how they will impact the traffic flow from, uh, and even all the way up, all the way east to Oleo Road. So a lot of improvements regionally, locally, and uh, statewide, that really impacts a lot of these traffic, and we can see a lot of those are going to get better and better uh, with all these projects coming to fruition.
0: Yeah, whether we like it or not, we are interconnected with Marion County. We're, in, of mm-hmm. course, the and, and Hotem just mentioned this, and I'll mention it quickly for either one of you that 146th Street and Allisonville Road is, is is going to be under construction this year, and that is a county project. I mean, you are working with them as far as the southern approach and all that to make sure that's done correctly, but uh, that is a county. Road, 146, therefore and that's going to be a different design because uh, it's uh, 37 you you go under the mm-hmm. east-west roads this is a case where 146 Street will mm-hmm. go over Allisonville right. and the roundabout will actually be on the ground level mm-hmm. right. so it's a little different design with the yep. same sort of concept So just what I didn't plan to bring it up because that is a county brand. Yeah, I had a yep. whole podcast with the county <laughs> folks last year which uh, got a lot of attention and they, yep. they did a pretty good job of explaining what they they were planning to do there I usually go 30 minutes on these podcasts. I think we're going to go over Are you gentlemen okay with that? Oregon. Don't have any place else you need to always go? Always a good time with you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know I love talking to you two because there's always something uh, to talk about of interest to everyone. And you've already talked about 96th and Allisonville, Jason. So I want to go a little further on that. You mentioned that Michigan left. I've, You know, I was covering the town when the Michigan left was just about to open. And I know Scott Faultless was the town council president. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a mayor in those days. And he was talking about how, you know, Fishers had to have a big public relations campaign because this was going to solve the problems. And that was a tough intersection with traffic signals at 96th and Allisonville. That was a big problem. So we've had the Michigan left for, what, 10, 11 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The general consensus I am getting is – that it hasn't worked. In your view, as an engineer looking at this, seeing how it has evolved, why do you think people have such a negative view of the Michigan left? You know, I think um, people, some
2: people weren't here whenever it wasn't improved to the Michigan left, and it was just a standardized signal. Um, I was here. I I moved to Fishers in 07, and it was it was bad it would queue up northbound all the way back to 465 and that was no exaggeration that'd be that for like 30 minutes to an hour plus um once the the project went it really focused on that through movement and um that was successful and it has been successful moving traffic through to the north and to the south east and west The problem with the Michigan left, uh, what we're seeing is that you can still make the left, but like I said previously, the perception. You have to turn left and right to then actually make your left. So you're making two movements instead of just one, and it feels like it's taking you longer. You have to go past where you want to turn and then go back. But in reality, the timing of it is that it's faster for you to do that. But it's just our minds are not set up that way. Maybe in Michigan they can do it because it's been around for so long, but here it's not working. And it's not just about the the through movements. It's about the turn movements. It's in addition to development, right? It's not just one thing that we try to consider whenever we're doing a project, such as the 116th Allisonville. We're not just looking at traffic. We're looking at pedestrians. We're looking at the businesses surrounding the area, bringing life back into certain areas, attractiveness to um, intersection Um and and the roundabout gives us all of those at at ninety six in Allisonville as well as one sixteenth in Allisonville.
0: I have to tell you a little aside. Uh, back when the Michigan left was was first opened, I, I I used a video camera on my phone. I fixed it on my car, and I actually did a video. And I did it on a Sunday morning when there wasn't much traffic to show how the Michigan left worked. I have had. Thousands of people watch that, that crazy video, and if you look at the comment section, the people from Michigan say that's not a real Michigan yeah, left. Man. So you get into a debate like that, which I you know, yeah. who cares about what you call it. But uh, there was a big amount of interest in that at the time that I did that crazy little video, which I never expected to have thousands of people watch. It's still up on YouTube if you want to find it. Uh, so talk a little more about plans for construction. When, when do you expect to get started, take bids, all that for 96th and Allisonville? We're, we're actually out for advertisement for bids right now. Um,
2: we're in conversations because the construction industry is so overwhelmed. Um, we're still working to see if we need to push the bid opening date out. A little bit to allow more time for the the contractors to put a bid in for it but the intent is that in partnership with the development as well we're coordinating some of those details because the intersection work is going to be occurring at the same time the development and site development is occurring Um, but construction utility relocations this this year the majority work next year Um, that could change slightly over the course of the next month or 45 days But the intent is for 100% be complete next year.
0: I'm going to ask Hot Tim to comment on this, and and Jason can chime in as well. You know, if you have a situation where there's a four-way stop, to me, that's not a close call. Roundabout, if you can do one, is always safer and better because four-way stops have their own issues with them but when you plan for a very busy intersection like a 96th and Allisonville or 116th and Allisonville what additional challenges do you as engineers have to make sure you design that in a way that will be safe so usually when
1: you get into a very um, very busy intersection that means the area has all been developed you have a lot of people uh, frequenting that that intersection so that means for us Utilities are already there. there. There's a lot of businesses. There's a lot of uh, residences, gas stations there. Uh, so there's that's, that's the number one, um, not problem, but hurdle in front of us to, to deal with a lot of these utilities. And then also you're dealing with right-of-way. So you have less right away way because it's all developed. So it's, it's harder for us. Uh, so that's one of those challenges that it's hard for us to, to design and build something like that within limited space. Um, And all of these relocations that work, uh, that has to go before you start construction, uh, in addition to the operation of the roundabout itself. So you have to do a lot of um, preemptive work, you have to do a lot of preparation to to look at what the the canvas is before you start, uh, you know, designing the roundabout itself.
0: You know, uh, Jason, I I do know you had help on in, in ninety. For example, on ninety sixth and Allisonville, the developers making a big development, and it's going to be a city park there. Well, near the White River, near that intersection, the developers assisting you in getting enough uh, space to do that. And at one hundred sixteenth and Allisonville. Uh, there was supposed to be a development – Metazoa was supposed to go in, I think, the southeast yep. corner, if I remember yep. right. And uh, that that didn't work out, but yet that helped you a little bit because that gave you some, some land you could use to – where you didn't have – and you're going to take, I think, a little bit of land away from the uh, gas station on the northeast side of town, but it's not going to cause any problems Correct. with them or – Underground storage tanks. It's not going to be. A, it's not going to cause them to have any issues. So uh, it is important, as Hatim said, that you have enough room to put a, a, a roundabout in. especially in a place which is already developed and is already busy.
2: It's very hard to retrofit roundabouts yeah. into urbanized or de- fully developed areas. To your point, um, CRG development has been great to partner with, not just with the park but also with the The right-of-way dedication for our roundabout at ninety-six and Allisonville. Just had a conversation today about them um, bringing in some dirt, uh, placing it in an area that needs to be raised up for future utility relocates. So they they're they're really working with us, and we appreciate that, and makes it a lot easier, and kind of put takes those hurdles down that that Tim was talking through.
0: And CRG is is making that is planning that development in 96th and Allisonville and former. City Councilman uh, David George has been instrumental in doing some of the engineering work with that and had a chance to see him at the uh, groundbreaking ceremony. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to something else, because one thing that happens uh, as we get into warmer weather is the road resurfacing program, particularly in the neighborhoods. I know every week when you come out with your your, uh, road construction update, which I try to publicize, uh, there's always a a component of that for resurfacing often in, in some of the neighborhoods. Explain, and I'll let you start and in hot time you're welcome to, to chip in as well explain how your department evaluates the condition of these neighborhood streets and you, how do you decide which ones are eligible for resurfacing because you only resurface so many with your budget right.
2: yeah <clears throat> unfortunately we don't have an unlimited budget i mean hence the barrett law why we didn't just take those roadways over um, we don't have the money to, to do that Uh it, we really engineering partners with our public works team and because they're out on boots on the ground every day driving these roads, they perform a PASER rating, P-A-S-E-R. That's a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being a brand-new roadway, 9 being a newly re- resurfaced roadway. One is it's basically dirt. There's nothing left to it. Um, <clears throat> they they rate those. And then we end up getting back together with the, the public works team and determining how can we break these up into – reasonable resurface packages we always try to do two sometimes we're able to do three depending on budget and pricing that we receive on the first two Um, but we try to break them up into neighborhoods as well as the arterial thoroughfares and make them so that we if possible try to get an entire neighborhood at one time so we don't leave you know the neighbor saying well why'd you get yours resurfaced but we don't get ours but we we do focus it being on actual engineering numbers and condition as you know whenever we assess it we we don't really go oh well that hasn't been for a while let's go ahead and do it it's literally what is the condition of that road does it need it does it make sense or can our public works team continue to maintain it for a year or two Um, We have recently awarded in December, as well as um, in February, two of our resurface contracts. The first one was focused on our... um, our thoroughfares that i was mentioning so fall creek roads to be a major one and with the amount of traffic that goes on that that's going to be an, a, a fun one for us
0: one and, lane roads and, for a period of time yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah yeah well we'll um restrict the the lane restrictions trying to make sure that we're not overlapping with the am or pm peak in addition to trying to coordinate the kind of mecky's point previously the clear path project that's going to detour a lot of traffic so is fall creek going to be that traffic detour route Um, and then, you know, there's some other ones in there, but then we've got, uh, Cynthia road, Georgia road, Brook school road, Willow view, and I can go on for a few others. And then we do have one neighborhood in that first and it's winding Creek. And it was just a smaller one. We had a grouping of roadways over there that are thoroughfares. It made sense because it needed it to put it in that group one thing that we were very successful with um, and, and I'm excited about was we received a million dollars from the state to be able to make this resurface package larger than it would have been but so we went from a um, 1.7 million dollar resurface package to a 2.7 million dollar resurface package and that w- that is very very large um, considering that you know like I said we nearly doubled it Uh Then our second resurface package is our neighborhood focus. And that's going to be one that is, like I said, just focused on the actual neighborhood roadways themselves. And a big lift that we're going to be hitting on this one is going to be out on the west side in the parks, which it makes – there's a lot of different neighborhoods inside of the parks, Oxford, Princeton, Harvard. Um, But there are some throughout the east side as well. We do have funds that we're waiting. We submitted for an additional million dollars through the state to try to get more funding to expand our resurface uh, program. And we're, we have to wait till April. Sometime early, mid-April, we'll find out if we were successful. If we are successful, I'll tell you what those are. <laughs> but um, until we're successful, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. But you've got your listing ready. We do have it ready in which we would um, issue that that contract in a matter of 30 days. We'd have it.
0: Just one general question on, on the neighborhood roads. Are most neighborhood streets in the city's inventory? Yes. Okay. So, so people are really looking to the city to, to get that, that yeah. work done. As we kind of wrap this up, I'm going to ask Hot Tap. I've uh, mentioned uh, some projects that I know about just in my coverage of city government. Uh, I obviously didn't cover everything. Are there some projects uh, I didn't mention you would like the public to know?
1: Yeah, the the one exciting project that um, that we're going we're working on this year this year is the uh, the continuation of the Nickel Plate Trail. Uh, as everyone knows, the Nickel Plate Trail is currently from one hundred and forty sixth Street all the way down to uh, just south of 106th Street, right there by Hub and Spoke. So we were um, we were successful in awarding uh, the project. We actually were actually successful in receiving grants. From IDNR, it's the Next Level Trail Grant. So we are uh, very excited to finish the rest of the Nickel Plate Trail. So we'll take it from uh, just from Hubbard Spoke all the way down to 96th Street uh, with the intent of uh, building a bridge over 96th Street um, next year. So this year, uh, we will start working on this this section of the trail uh, by mid-April. We're going to start working on getting the contractor in and working with Andretti uh, Sports over there on Hague Road uh, to start the work and finish it just, uh, just, I believe, north of 96th Street where the future bridge is going to tie into the trail. So that's very exciting for us. And we're hoping that we can get this Done by uh, mid the summer, so we can have, so we can allow for people to actually use it.
0: Yeah, I know. Andretti was excited about that trail. That's one reason, not um, there are many, that they they chose that particular. It's the only location. reason they chose that. <laughs> okay, as far as you're concerned, it's the only it's for reason. the trail. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Hot to mentioned this, Jason, that. Uh, the trail is is moving along here in Fishers. A lot of it's already done, but yet we had uh, Chris Jensen and, and, and Scott Fadness on a podcast, and he was talking about he plans to extend that trail into Noblesville. And people are already asking him how they're going to cross that busy road to the north, and he's still trying to figure that out. And, of course, Indianapolis also wants to extend that trail once our uh, part of that is finished. So, uh a lot yet to be done here
2: yeah absolutely I mean, indianapolis is moving forward they've already got the design and i be, I don't know if they're out for construction or bid for construction yet but if not it's pretty close the only gap at, once we finish our portion down 96th street is going to be the portion that is located within the 465-69 interchange they're going to have to wait till that construction is complete before they're able to to start the trail construction it's just be too many um you know, cooks in the kitchen type scenario and just getting on top of each other.
0: I used to talk to David George uh, when he was on the city council, and he always said that, uh, and I I commuted quite often during my career. I worked downtown and lived in Fishers. So I did that commute through many construction projects. And he said the only way that that connection is ever going to be fixed is if the interchange at 465 and 69 is fixed. And now that's in the process of happening, but we're still a lot a year or two away from that being finished, that's a very big project yes. there. And we'll have some impact on fissures just for people mm-hmm. who commute that. Anything else uh, that you would like to mention, Jason?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think um, our public works team, we've been partnering with them on identifying the trail gaps. Pedestrian connectivity is major importance to the residents, to the city. And our public works team has capabilities that not all public works teams have. And that is the ability to do some in-house work. And so they have um, started to explore different locations that they can make connections for you're walking on a trail or a sidewalk and it stops and you see 500 foot away well it's up there why can't i get it so they're moving forward with trying to get some of that work completed this year and kind of a continuing effort between um, our two departments so give them a a huge shout out on the stuff that they're going to be doing here this year Uh, in addition on that trail gaps our planning department is doing they were successful in getting some uh, planning dollars from the mpo to be able to do a trail gap study, they're moving forward with that trail gap study and it's bringing in our parks department, engineering, public works teams, all to make sure that it we're hitting the right ones and we can start pursuing some funding grants um, to be able to get the more difficult ones.
0: Yeah, my blog readers often will send me questions about what these trail gaps and every time i follow up it's like we're working on it there are plans in place yeah. to get that done we covered quite a bit gentlemen thank you so much uh, jason taylor is the director of engineering for the city of fishers and hatem meki assistant director of engineering for the city gentlemen thank you again for a great conversation
2: thank, thank you larry thank you
0: thanks for listening to the larry in fishers.com podcast If you'd like to comment on my blog, please do so with any suggestions. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind.